So I'm not going back and forth with a man who thinks that they should be in my position. If you want to be in my position, get in my position. Do you believe in that? Bluff City Media presents the Anthony Sane Show on YouTube at Bluff City Media. Stepping up to the microphone is your host, Anthony Sane. Acknowledge me. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Anthony Sane Show. We're going to get all the bullshit out of the way. Kenny, what's up? You good? Man, I'm good. All right, let's, let's get, get into it. it. We, ain't got, we ain't got time to, yeah, y'all y'all know why y'all here. I know why I'm here. Let's jump into it. Couldn't sleep last night, ready to jump into this one, man. I'm I'm two days behind. Everybody else and I already got their shit off. I ain't got mine off. Doc Holiday dropped about two or three videos. <laughs> no, bro. I, I said I was not going to speak until Doc spoke. And since Doc has spoken, I'm here in the Bluff City Media Studios, ready to jump into it. Enough talk. Enough of the bullshit. Let's jump into it. Can't even let you know now. Get your, uh, your sensor button, your beep button ready. Uh, this will be... Pretty uncut, the F-bombs are coming. F*** it. Let's go. There's, there's one right there. All right, it's coming. So get ready for more of them. Um, of course, uh, since the last time we talked, the biggest uh, topic of the day, uh, locally and probably nationally as well, if you really think about it, a lot of people are talking about this article <clears throat> written by Tim McMahon, who's an NBA guy who uh, um, has uh, kind of covered the Dallas Mavericks a lot with this gig with ESPN. I know he started being a Dallas Mavericks uh, uh, beat writer or something like that. I know he started off before he went to ESPN covering Dallas. Yeah, he worked for a local newspaper mm-hmm. in Dallas. And now he's uh, in uh, ESPN. And also, in a conversation I had with him a few years ago, um, I want to say that he... I want to say he's almost like a regional NBA guy. Yeah, that's right, what he is. Right, I think he covers the Mavericks and the Grizzlies, too. Like yeah. he's This is like part of his beat. Um and also Baxter Holmes. I don't know as much about him, but I do know that he did write the articles that exposed uh, Donald Sterling and Robert Sar- uh, Robert Sarver. Uh, Donald Sterling, of course, <clears throat> was uh, the Clippers owner, exposed for uh, racial slurs that he said. And uh, Robert Sarver, uh, of course, was exposed for creating a very, very, very hostile work environment uh, with the Phoenix Suns. Um, those two gentlemen uh, combined to write this article um, in the great words of Doc Holliday, which were a hit piece, in yep. my opinion. 100%. When I first saw this, I was extremely annoyed by it. People were in my DM. People were calling. People texting. I'm like, man, I don't have time for this, man. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely agitated early in the morning. And, like, I don't, I don't like to be interrupted with this stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? But once I sat, read it, uh, read what people were saying, digested it, and started kind of using my knowledge, things that I know, things that I'm aware of, uh, how people, certain people move, all those type of things. It started bothering me more and more as the day went on. Um, and I'm I'm here to kind of call this what it is. I'm going to echo a lot of what Doc Holliday said. When I was preparing myself for what I was going to talk about yesterday, um, when I heard Doc speaking, I was like, yeah, Doc is saying a lot of things that I was getting ready to say. So I feel good about what I'm saying. Uh, shout out to Doc Holliday again too, man. I, I I joke about a lot about uh, the times that I'll, I'll log on to Twitter and I'll see my name mentioned with Doc and he's on my ass. I, was, I just talk about the fear that would come with that one day, uh, Kenny Stubblefield. And, and I had when I was doing all the when I was doing all the talking about Tiger football. I, every day I woke up, I, I thank God that I wasn't getting dead by Doc Holiday. But shout out to Doc. Let me tell you something real quick about Doc. There's people in this industry in Memphis that mm-hmm. when you hear you're sideways with. You you, you, hey, you better get on the right side. Well, you don't care. You don't care about that. And it's not. I'm joking about the fear thing. That's because he's a. Vi- I respect Doc Holliday. Like, the, and that's that's exactly yeah. the point, right? If yeah. you hear you're on the wrong side with Doc, you're probably wrong. You got to go get it fixed. Yep, you're like, probably that's, wrong. That's where he stands in this world. In this, he's giving world. me phone calls, texts, 
physically pulled me to the side. <laughs> he literally pulled me to the side about things I was wrong about. And I and, and I respect him for that. Um I'll say this. Uh, just a little backstory about me, Kenny, as I jump into this. I'm very selective about the word friend, or who I call my friends. I think that a friendship is a type of relationship. And I think that uh, whether that's a romantic relationship, platonic, business, uh, brotherly relationship, whatever, whatever you're doing, relationships matter. And they have to be invested in. You have to put time into it, resources into it, equity into it. So I'm very selective about who I call my friends. I don't throw the word friend around a lot. I will correct people and tell them, no, we're not friends. And it's probably on because of me. I'm not saying it's particularly because of you. And I say that because if I don't feel like I'm putting resources into you, time, equity, investment into you, I don't, th I don't consider that you're my friend. You understand what I'm saying, Ken? Absolutely. So that's a strong word. I don't just throw that around. Um, when it comes down to this media stuff, I do have friends in the industry, but I I look at them more like family than I do friends. You're one of my friends in the industry, Kenny. We have a personal connection that started way before this media stuff started. Right. We became media members after we were friends. Our, we were friends as <laughs> we were coworkers, and that, and that built that turned into an actual friendship. Um, if I got personal stuff going on, I can call you and I can talk about it. If you're wrong about something, I can tell you you're wrong. Absolutely. If I'm wrong, you tell me I'm wrong. I consider you my friend. Um, and because of that, if you do something that I don't approve of or that may be generally looked at as wrong by other people, I will stick my neck out and pretend like I don't notice the bullshit you're doing <laughs> because you're my friend. That's that's a natural thing that people do. Yep. I do that for you. I do that for Jason Smith, who's one of my brothers slash mentors slash friends. I do that for Doc Holliday. I do that for Jarvis Greer. I do that for DeMichael Cole. DeMichael's probably 15 years younger than me, at least. And um, But if DeMichael's wrong about something, <laughs> I've had people call me and say, oh, I don't like what DeMichael said. I don't either, but that's my guy. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. I, I So I understand the concept of defending your friends. I understand it. I understand the concept of calling shit sugar for your friends. I saw a lot of that yesterday. <laughs> I saw a lot of that on Twitter, on the radio, on podcasts. Um. Had Gary Parrish on our show a couple of days ago. And all of the time it was different. All of yesterday's show was live, you know? Man. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, and Gary's, Gary's not a friend of mine. He's a guy I'm associated with. He's someone I look at as a mentor. We don't have that type of relationship, but he's what I call a silent mentor. He didn't say anything to me, but I watch him and I emulate what he does. And I, that's what you call a silent mentor. Someone who's not particularly intentionally mentoring you, but you do gain mentorship from observing them. He's one of those type of, that's the type of relationship I have with him. Can I call Gary Parrish? Yeah, I got his number a few months ago. We've been uh, DM messaging over Facebook and Twitter for probably, probably close to 10 years. Like, seriously. Right. Um, he had his show yesterday. Chris Vernon had his show yesterday. I listened to Chris Harrington on Jeff Calkins' show. I listened to Jeff's show. Somebody, someone to say, I've heard what Giannato said, but I didn't listen to him on anybody's show or his own. But all of these guys are what you would call journalists or, you know, actual media members. Big J journalists. Yeah. I'm not one of those. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't pretend to be. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't go to school for any of this. Um, I think a lot of the, the journalistic integrity stuff is bullshit. This, this is my view on, on journalism. And, and I said this yesterday. Journalism is only as, as 
only as important as his demand. No one was asking for that story yesterday. <laughs> Were you sitting at home like, damn, the Grizzly season is about to start, man. I would love to hear an 18-month recap of all the shit John Moran has got into over the last 18 months. That would be awesome. I don't think anybody in the country was doing it. Not just in Memphis. I don't think anybody was like, hey, man, I wonder what the last 18 months of the John, John Morant drama have been like in great detail. We definitely need a recap. <laughs> yeah, we need a recap of that. So I don't want to hear the journalistic integrity stuff. And, and I saw guys kind of um, – journalism, as my time being an outsider um, in this media industry, and, I, and I've denounced the title of journalist. Uh, I kind of can't avoid media member, but I've kind of denounced the title. I've written for – uh, print, print publications, papers, websites. I've done all these independently. I've done all these things, but I've totally denounced that title because I'm not one of these dudes, man. Like I'm not, I don't, there's, it's almost like a fraternity. That's true. You know what I mean? Guys, uh, if you see guys get jobs, you know, you look at who their big bro might be because big bro might help them get the job. If you, you see this type of thing, these type of things all the time, there's people look out for each other. It just happens. You know what I mean? That's and I'm not part of that group. I'm I on this show, this is episode thirty-eight. I've had thirty-five or so different guests come on this show that are all media members in the city of Memphis. I'm associated with these people, but I'm not particularly friends with not many of them. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. Even though I come in and say, My guy so and so. I don't I don't call you my friend unless I will stamp something that you said or you did. You understand what I'm saying? Like I like I'll like compromise Tell them the damn truth. <laughs> if you if you were my, that's what I do for my friends. You understand what I'm saying? So everybody that comes in the show, we're not particularly friends. But we're cool. It might be my guy. But it's calling you my friend is another level. All right, let's let's get to the back to the story. Um, no one asks for this, man. Like, like, so all I've I've heard things like this is such a well articulated story, and oh, this is a perfect 18 month recap of this, and <laughs> nobody, nobody asks for this. Like this is what bothers me about people who call themselves journalists or most media members. They want to be the most important person in the room. They think they're bigger than the shit they write about. Like you, they think they're bigger than the athletes. I've seen guys who have that type of, that type of uh, bravado, that type of uh, um, character, man, who have that type of um, that their words really matter. about themselves. Like they really think they're bigger than the sport. Yep. They think that they're more important. The fact that people they get a million people reading their story every time they hit sin. They think that they're bigger than the actual athletes. They think that they're smarter than the athletes. When I go to these games, man, and, and when I go into that locker room, there's about five, six, seven, eight millionaires in the locker room at one time. Don't none of them write for a paper. <laughs> don't none of them. Don't none of them write for. Don't none of them like host a radio show. None of them are on the news. You know what I mean? But we treat the. the I see these guys treat the richest people in the room like they're the least important people in the room. And where I, the kind of person I am, I, I admire people who are successful, no matter how they got their success. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm not going to come in a room making whatever $1,000 I make a year and act like I'm more important than the people that they really came to see. And when I see this article, this is case in point of that type of situation. And like Doc Holliday said, this is a hit piece. This isn't journalistic integrity or a beautifully written article or this – uh, super intelligent recap of, 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 of 18 months in detailed order and sequency and, and showing you the life of John Morant the last 18 years in a crop. This isn't any of that. Y'all know what this is? This reads like they were looking for something that they couldn't find. 
<laughs> Baxter Holmes has done stories on Donald Sterling and Robert Sarver. This looks like he. This is like they came to Memphis looking for something, looking for some more dirt, looking for something to tear down John Morant, looking for something to make him look bad, to to be the the, the, the finishing blow for John Morant, and they could not find it. So they gave us their con- consolation bullshit. Eighteen month bullshit. This is what this looks like. I came to Memphis look, looking for something. I couldn't find it, so I put out this bullshit story, and now half of Memphis media is, is co-signing it. Oh, this is great. We needed this. No, we didn't. It's bullshit. And this is something I'm proud of Memphis yesterday because reading this article, it looked like a bunch of hard work with a goal to tear this man down, and you could not make it happen. So let me start talking about rap. Let me start talking about his experience with a with – a, uh, Business owner. Grills. <laughs> Talking about grills and, and gold teeth. Because you don't have nothing. You, you came down here for something and you couldn't find it. And now this is the consolation prize that you, got, you guys made to make yourselves feel like the most important people in the room. To make yourselves feel like you're more important than the athletes. And you're not. And I love my city because they protected one of their sons over the last few weeks. When I saw Tim McMahon's ass here for media day, I was like, what the fuck is this dude on? Because he don't be here like that. You know what I'm saying? Whenever I've seen Tim McMahon, it's been Grizzlies won 10 straight games, look like the hottest team in the world. John Mayer said something crazy. You know, Jaren's losing his mind. Oh, Tim McMahon's here. And let's not forget, Anthony, real quick. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the media day. From the day that media day happened. He's, he's stayed down here. People have been, people on Twitter, in the Discord, BCM's Discord, have been asking these questions. What the hell was he doing here? Why is he here? Yep. Yep. Because it, it, it felt off. It felt weird. It felt yep. something was wrong. Something was off. Yeah. Right. So it's it we saw this from the jump mm-hmm. that something like this was happening. The something next like this day, was coming. The next day after um media day, I'm at training camp. He's there. The Grizzlies are your beat, but we're not your beat. The Mavericks are your beat. So Giant in practice. I mean, Giant around like that. I mean, he's practicing, but he ain't available to the media. So you ain't talking to Josh. So why are you here? Like I said, he clearly was here trying to, ex- to expose something. He couldn't get what he was looking for. So this is like, I ain't come down here for nothing. Let me just find a way to shit on this whole situation and leave y'all with a, a disconnected, bullshit ass article filled with anonymous sources. Filled with a bunch of bullshit. That won't put their faces, they won't right. put their names to the to the quotes. They were looking for something, they couldn't find it, so let me just find some type of way to tear this man down and try to tear this man's hope down. Try to tear the city down. And um, the racist undertones were obvious throughout the article. I don't know what in the hell uh, the alligators got on me. I've heard that it got something to do with uh, eating some black babies or something, but I'm not sure those terms got nothing to do together, but I, I've heard that that's one interpretation of what that means. I don't know. just makes no sense. Man. It's just I, You all tell me in the comments or whatever. Tell me what it means. I don't know. I, I don't know. It don't sound like nobody from Memphis said it. It sounds like some, I don't know, some bullshit. Um, the hip-hop stuff they were saying is crazy. Uh, crazy. Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark are hip-hop artists. They haven't gotten into this type of stuff at all. They, we haven't had any off-the-court issues with those guys. We ain't got to talk about that shit. Right. That, that shit right. is but, stupid. But here's the thing, though. Like, John Morant is struggling, obviously struggling in front of our eyes. Um, you're talking about a kid who was not a highly heralded high school player. Um, right place, right time, plus opportunity. 
in, in preparation, got him to where he is now over a short period of time, and he's not handling it well. I'm sure John Moran himself will say, I'm not handling these things to the best of, of my ability. He's struggling to stay afloat uh, with his actions. And I heard Vernon say yesterday, man, I'm just glad Baxter Holmes went easy or didn't Get out of my face. do this like Donald Sterling or Robert Sarver. Why are we compare this to John to those two dudes? Those two men were menacing, evil, despicable men. You understand what I'm saying? If anything you can say about Ja is that money, power, and fame have, have, may, have made, may have made him sort of a jerk, if you want to say that. He's made reckless decisions. He's became self-destructive. And he got into a fight with a kid, and he got caught up with a bunch of dudes who pointed something at any of the Pacers players. Might have been a gun. <laughs> Might not have been. I don't know. You know what I mean? But that's not that's not a I'm not gonna say that's making Ja a horrible person. Why so why are we why are we thankful that Ja wasn't uh handled like horrible people? You understand what I'm saying? So that apart that really bothered me a lot, probably more than anything, was a lot of the indictments on T Morant, oh, Ja's man. dad. Come on. Uh I promise not to get the most of Kenny stuff. <laughs> Today is uh, my son's birthday uh, when we record this. And I always think about whose celebrity dad would I be like if, jo- if Gabe <laughs> was to <laughs> blow up in sports? Would I be more T. Morant? Would I be more uh, LeVar Ball? You know what I mean? Who, who would I be like? You know what I mean? I'd probably be on that type of level. Uh, Gabe plays soccer for his school. And Gabe isn't the fastest kid. Gabe is kind of a... Uh, a healthy, chunkier boy, you know. So he's not the fastest kid. He's on the soccer team. With his school, if you sign up, you play. Like, there is no tryouts. You know what I mean? If you sign up, you play. So Gabe's on the soccer team, and they tried to discover what to do with him because Gabe's not the fastest kid. And they normally put you in the back to be kind of like the last line of defense right before the goalie if you're not the fastest kid. And Gabe was holding his own. And in their first game of the season, they lost to a team that was pretty much equal talent level to them. In the last uh, few minutes of the game, they put Gabe in, into the goal, right, to be the goalie. Yep. Gabe's in there kicking ass. He's beating stuff. He's beating stuff out the way. Because Gabe, was, he, he studied martial arts. Gabe has really fast hands. So Gabe's out there doing good at goalie. I'm, I'm hyping him up. I'm hyped. So the coach is like, Gabe, you did great, man. I'm, I'm going to have you in goal from now on for the rest of the season. So Gabe's locked in about being the goalie, right? So he plays the next game. He's, in, he's at goal. He's doing his thing. Beating stuff. They won. They, they have not lost a game since Gabe took over at goal. Let's go, Big Gabe. They had a game that was a tie, but they were extremely shorthanded. But that, that still was a tie. Gabe beating all kind of stuff. And I'm not, I'm not watching the game with the fans. I'm literally standing hor- like horizontal. To get, well, what's the word? Par- whatever. Parallel. I'm parallel, parallel to Gabe. Gabe. Yep. He's in the goal. I'm right here on the sideline. And everything good or bad, I'm right there yep. cheering him on. I bought a Vuvuzela. On Amazon. <laughs> and, I, and I would be at the game acting the fool. Let's go. So when I see people question what T. Morant's role or what his posture should be at games, I'm like, man, fuck y'all, man. Like, what, what, who, who are y'all to say he never lived his own NBA dream, so he's living out his dream through his son like any other parent does? So disrespectful, man. You know what I mean? The thing is – 
Let's go back to the T. Morant story. We did this in our very first episode. Let's go back to, let me remind you motherfuckers of the T. Morant story. T. Morant was a high-level high school basketball player, played on the same team as Ray Allen. I want to say he played junior college basketball, if I'm not mistaken, or played for a small school. Got his girlfriend at the time pregnant. Had an opportunity to play basketball overseas, if I'm not mistaken. Passed on that opportunity to stay in the United States, raise his son, became a barber, learned to become a barber, took care of his son, was in the house with his son his entire life, in a society where black men are labeled to be men who don't do that. Numbers say that we, we aren't in homes. That's another discussion. We'll talk about that another day. Took care of his son, raised him, created a training facility in his background, backyard, pushed this young man to be one of the better players in the NBA today, but you don't want him to reap the benefits of that? If you want to question his maturity, if you want to question his style of parenting, his style of fatherhood, it's a little different. It ain't like mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've never, um, my daughter is 21 years old. She turns 22 next month. I've had a drink with Sabrina. I would like to have Gabe's first drink with him. I'm also 43 and Gabe is 10. I was 33 years old when Gabe was born. T. Morant was like 22 or something like that when Gabe was born. When Ja was born. When Ja was born. Um, do I ever, if I were younger than Gabe, do I think I would be in the strip club with, with, with uh, Gabe or out drunk with, with Gabe? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> but if, 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 that's what you're, if that's what you're going to incriminate this man on, you're really not standing on much because that's his, that's just kind of where T is. But I'm not going to call T a bad dad because he's not the same type of dad I am. You understand what I'm saying? Because for one thing, he's there. And he sacrificed his own life to be there for his son. He could have gone overseas to play the sport he loved professionally. He decided to change his entire life for his son. And guess what, ESPN? Guess what, Tim McMahon? Guess what? What's the other dude's name? Baxter. Tim Baxter, is that what it is? Baxter Holmes. Baxter Holmes. Uh, what's the dude Baxter from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? What's the dude? <laughs> I forget his Him, name. Him. Whatever his name <laughs> is. The... the uh, the fame that y'all say the team ran is chasing and always oh, at games doing this. He got into it with Shannon Sharp and all that. Y'all goddamn cameras put the cameras on his ass. Yeah. ESPN cameras on it, man. Oh man, it's so crazy, bro. And why don't why don't y'all ever say this about kids who don't have a dad in their life at all? Like single mom uh players. But why y'all ain't doing all this with Draymond's mom? Mm. Why y'all got such a problem with, with black men, bro? And this same dude that y'all are trying to act like he's a criminal and he's made jobs like this bad guy or whatever, y'all did a – the NBA did a fatherhood story on with John Morant, with uh, T. Morant, Chris Paul's dad, and I can't remember who the other guys were. It was two – I think it was at least one of the two other dads on there. Madman Carnegie Towns dad, somebody. But y'all did a, the same people who did a story on T. You guys are now trying to act like he's the reason why Jaws making mistakes. Jaws is clearly living out his life in front of us, and I'm okay with you saying he's not handling things the best way. I'm okay with you saying that he's made mistakes that have cost him millions of dollars because he has. I'm okay with you saying he's immature. I'm okay with you saying that he's impressionable. He's hanging around the wrong people. He's making bad decisions. I'm okay with all those things. But I'm not okay with anybody writing him off like he's a finished product or like he doesn't have hope or like he can't do any better. 
I'm not a fan of any of those things at all. I'm not a fan of a witch hunt. I'm not a fan of you coming to a city looking for a story that you think is there or you think people are going to help you out on or you think people are going to tear this man down, not getting anything of substance if you know you know, and then deciding to say, okay, well, I can't leave empty-handed, so let me overstep my bounds as a journalist and make this bullshit hit piece instead of giving y'all actual information. That's the problem I have with journalism. When you when you you come for one thing, it doesn't turn into what you wanted it to be, and now you say, I'm bigger than this athlete, I'm bigger than this sport, I'm bigger than the fans, so I got to come with something because of my ego, so let me destroy the kid who we see hasn't had any issues. We see he's trying to figure this thing out. And even if there are some rough patches, he's trying to get to where he's trying to be. Y'all going to let that man redeem himself. And I know the city of Memphis is, is, is pulling for him to redeem himself. And I saw that because this story came out the way it did and in response to the story the way it did. Tim McMahon came here looking for something. He didn't get it. And like a bitch, he made up a story to try to destroy this man and to try to make the city that he, that he works in and lives in and loves, honestly, look bad and try to make the team that he plays for look bad. But I saw all parties involved band together today. I mean, yesterday. I saw Ja on Twitter, on Instagram, showing love to his dad, showing love to his family, showing love to his friends, showing love to the Memphis Grizzlies. Props to the Memphis Grizzlies for, get, for coming together and talking to Ja since this has happened. And reminding him, reminding us that we got his back. We here for him. We believe in him. And I and I'm I'm excited about those things, man. Um, but like I said, guys have friends. And they and they cover their friends' backs. I ain't friends with none of these none of them motherfuckers. <laughs> I don't I see Tim McMahon, I speak to him, and all right, whatever. What you here for? <laughs> That's the energy I be on. I don't I don't I never asked him for any favors. He don't have any to offer me. I'm I'm fine being right here. Living and loving on the city I, I was born in. I don't have any desires to get up out of here. I don't have any desires to work for ESPN. I'm fine. I'm a social worker by day. <laughs> I'm fine with it because I'm here to re affect real change in the city of Memphis. I don't, I don't care about this part of my life that much. So uh, being buddies with the big dogs means nothing to me. Yeah, I just want to be Gabe's dad and affect the world. That's it. That's all I got. And I'll say this, man. <laughs> That's all I got, kid. Anonymous sources, sign your yeah. Sign your name. Yeah. If you're going to stand on something, stand on something. Because it come off like some whole shit, for real. Tell the real reason why you talking bad about that young man. If you know, you know. But, yeah. About to go to break, man. We got my boy Rob Fisher, a.k.a. Uh, what's the word? Witness number one. Suspect number one. We're going to find out who that source was. The, <laughs> who that team source was. Rob Fisher. Hey, y'all know what you thought it was, Rob. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, <laughs> Suspect number one, Rob Fisher of, of uh, Grind City Media and Valley Sports is uh, coming up next here on the Edge of the Saints show. We'll see you guys in a minute. Issues that we've talked about all year, the the keys, the biggest keys that we've laid out for this season to be successful, for them to win games, they failed. Yep. This I, offense can't find any consistency, and it is causing them to lose games. If the offense was more consistent, they would be undefeated right now. And then just looking back, being in the stadium, 
21 10 10 minutes left 10 minutes left in the third quarter i wish like i wish you could just capture that energy and put it in a bottle right right the positive momentum the feeling from everybody within that stadium was something i haven't seen since 2019 quite frankly i believe it and you see how close they are but then you watch you know halfway through that third quarter into the fourth quarter and you see how far away they are as well tune into on the bluff with christian fowler and gabe coon every tuesday at 12 p.m on the bluff city media youtube channel Well, one of the most frustrating parts from Friday night was our boy uh, Andres Fox with his little nard punch <sighs> on what was about to be a big third and nine Tulane had from their own 20-yard line with nine minutes left in the game. And yeah. He decides to just Judy chop some dude in the wiener. It was more than a just a little nut tap. No, he punched him. Yeah. I've played in a lot of, like... <laughs> sporting competitive <laughs> events and I've gotten mad and I'll like shove somebody or something or what, like I have never once stood up and been so mad and was like I'm gonna hit this dude in the nuts left. were As you a, shocked that he only got half I am against UAB I thought Ryan was going to throw him off of the team so did I I thought his career was over like his college football career was and absolutely over. he's just not gonna play 30 minutes of football <laughs> is hey. that 15 for each nut I don't know dude Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, however, is going against our favorite people, the Broncos. The Broncos defense heals all wounds in daily fantasy football. Uh, $9,500, I'll take it. I'll take $9,500 against the Broncos defense who are last in the league in yards allowed for pat in total yards allowed they're dead last i mean they let people just run pass all over them uh, they allow the most passing touchdowns in the game tune into bluff city bets presented by zen sports with mark king and daniel greer every tuesday and friday afternoon at 3 p.m on the bluff city media youtube network bluff city media and bluff city nil are proud partners of coaching for literacy a Memphis nonprofit using the power of sports to impact childhood literacy. When you donate to Bluff City NIL through Coaching for Literacy, your gift is 100% tax deductible. This partnership is a win, win, win. Tiger student athletes win in the NIL landscape. Coaching for Literacy wins by engaging Tiger student athletes in this monumental cause. And most importantly, elementary students in Memphis receive support to become strong readers. To donate today, visit coachingforliteracy.org slash bluff hyphen city. All right, y'all, welcome back to the Anthony Sane Show. I am here with suspect number one. <laughs> I can't say he's my good friend. My, uh, <laughs> I know this man, uh, Rob Fisher. We work together <laughs> in a sense. Rob Fisher comes in, suspect number one. Yeah. Uh, the John Moran situation yesterday. I am uh, under investigation. I'm not under investigation. I'm investigating y'all to find out who was the team source. Right. Who uh, who spilled the, the guts to 
uh, the guys from ESPN. Rob, how you doing today? Bro? I'm good, man. Good. How are you? Good cause, man. Don't, don't move your legs too much. It's kind of incriminating, man. Like you're trying to, <laughs> like you're trying to lay over the line about something. I, uh, I'd like to say for the record, I, I was not a team source. Okay. Were you? Were because you if I was quoted, it would have just said a guy. Yeah. A guy says. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't have said team source. And in my days of, in my days of mocking media members in the city of Memphis, I do like everybody pretty much. I can mock something they do. Sure. If, if you said it, like, man, I don't know, man. It's a, it would have started like this. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't have. That's, no, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it would have started like this. So I do it with my, with my guy, Rob. I don't know. You know. I'm kind of suspecting you. <laughs> Why you I, and me, I don't man? know why they call you a team source, which would be weird. But, I'm total opposite of a team but source. But you call me three days ago and say, hey, can you come on Thursday? And then <laughs> right. all of a sudden the news breaks. <laughs> like, the day oh, before shit. I'm coming on, I'm thinking, yeah. you knew something. Yeah, say, yeah, say something. something. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm talking I'm about that too. you. I'll say, Dad, what is Rob going to come on? He's going to be like, say, look, 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 look. <laughs> I know it's gonna be one of them type of situations, but it's not. My man Rob Fish is in the building. Uh, Rob, let's talk about it. Uh, it's what it's on everybody's mind. Um, the ESPN article comes out on job. What are your quick immediate? What were your immediate thoughts on it? And did those thoughts change over time, or where do you feel about it? Is it fair? What do you feel about the whole thing? Well, I started reading it and just thought, you know, where where's the news? Mm-hmm. Where's the new stuff? You know, this is a as they pointed out, it's a nine month story that ended five months ago. Mm-hmm. You know, what's happened in the last five months? Well, none of that has happened in the last mm-hmm. five months. So I, I, I liked what Taylor Jenkins said yesterday yeah. and what Xavier Tillman said yesterday. You know, that, that's in the past. We're working on the future and, and mm-hmm. made it very clear that that's the case. And a future that includes John Morant. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, Taylor said he addressed it with the team. And I would imagine addressing that with the team is, hey, this is, this is nothing new. This is what we're working past. Mm-hmm. This is why Jaws out 25 games. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go play and, yeah. and 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 get him ready to go too uh, for game twenty six. So um, I I don't think it was I, I think it was more you know it, it upset everybody in Memphis uh, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I think nationally it's just a story of the nine months of the right. transgressions of John Morant and you know that's fine whatever. Um, but here yeah I think people took it wrong because why are we bringing it up again? Why why is this a story? Yeah. But I'll I'll tell everybody. It's it's gonna be a story yeah, the week will before be. he comes back, the mm-hmm. week that he does come back, when he comes back, it'll continue to pop up and be a story. So, uh, get used to it. Uh, yeah. I guess I'd say this time. There were some things that disappointed me in the article. The the business people uh, talking yeah. about it. I mean, uh, one went as far as saying everything but calling him a thug. Right. I mean, and that 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 mm-hmm. that kind of put me off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't enjoy that. And then the, speaking on behalf of the city and. <laughs> I, 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 the one thing I really found odd was, boy, I've seen a lot of Grizzlies come through here and seen what. <laughs> Name me a Grizzly that has come through here that things have have turned out bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, I can't I can't think of any. This is a very mm-hmm. unique situation. Yeah. It, it just is, and um, you know, but hopefully it's in the past, and and hopefully we can look forward to Game Twenty Six. But yeah, it it, it didn't startle me. It, it didn't. You know, we all kind of knew right. the story. It kind of annoyed me in the morning, but it kind of pissed me off as the day went on. Just as I kind of read it and gathered more information on it, it just made me angrier as the day went on. But and like I, but I said, like you know, and I heard you talking about it. I, I like the the team's reaction, mm-hmm. the team's 
willingness to keep saying we're 100% behind John mm-hmm. Moran. Desmond Bain said, you know, he's our guy. We're mm-hmm. 100% behind him. Ja tweeting out thing, yeah. you know, a few things yesterday. Yeah. One supporting his father. Uh, one uh, basically saying this the, doesn't bother me, yep. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that uh, – I, I, I think in the inner Memphis, Grizzlies community mm-hmm. – I, I think they got past it pretty well yeah. in, in the first day, at least. Yeah. Also, like you said, uh, the Grizzlies uh, seem to have handled it well as far as reaching out to him. They've had meetings with him since this article came out. I think they said Coach Jenkins met with him. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that the only person from – I don't know. Yeah. You weren't there. You, you ain't been around. <laughs> Are you sure you weren't there, bro? Season starts Thursday. You, you like how I threw the incrimination in. I was like, yeah, know, were, were, you, in the, were no. you aware of the meeting between John? No, yeah, I okay. didn't know anything about Yeah, that. okay, yeah. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do like that part for sure, and it does seem like Ja isn't upset with anybody but the media. I, I, I gathered that from him as well. It, he he put out a tweet where he <clears throat> shot out his dad, his crew, whatever the MB, whatever that acronym. Uh, I forget what it means. but Bros, my, bros my brother, over. Yeah, yeah there you like go. That. Yeah, yeah. Bros over whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's, he tweeted out that, and he tweeted out the grizzly bear emojis. I'm like, all right. So it seems we're like we're good on that. Uh, I have one bone to pick with the whole Grizzlies organization, though. I will say this. It's actually two parts. Like, let me see how I can put this out without sounding like I'm butthurt, because I'm not butthurt at all. Um, it seems to me that they have created a divide between the players and local media. And I, I think that in times like yesterday, those kind of holes, those kind of disconnects show, but you see that there's there's a disconnect there. Because they they are opening up the doors to guys like Tim McMahon, which you should. He's a national media guy. But it seems like these type of situations, the people they're giving this all access to, those are the ones that are making them look bad. There were there are three there's three incidents I can think about with Ja that put Ja in a bad light as far as media-wise. The one with Tim McMahon yesterday. Uh, the one with um, I can kill Michael, I'll kill Michael Jordan on the, on the court with uh, the young lady that can't think of her name. And the one with Malik Andrews when he said he's fine in the West. Mm-hmm. These are the people y'all are handing y'all over to. And and, and I, I've, said, I've said this to their face. I've told them. I was like, you guys don't utilize us. You're not showing us love. But if we find out something, I'm going to sit on that shit. If I hear if I hear something bad about Ja, I'm not putting that shit out on my Twitter. I'm not making an expo eighteen month expose story about it. Right. But the people y'all are trusting, if they hear that shit, they're gonna put that shit out there. I just I just feel like you never see Ja, you never see any of these dudes on anybody's radio show, anybody's TV show, no interviews, nothing. And we're the ones who can really help him or help whoever. You know what I mean? So I, in times like this, when these national guys come in and do these type of things. Those type of disconnects show to me. I think it's been that way for a long ass time. at least a handful of yeah. years, mm-hmm. where, where it's where it's changed. Kind of what like with the changing of the guard. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we had the, the core four that right. everybody was. I mean, everybody knew their names, and, everybody, mm-hmm. and they knew everybody's names. Right. And, and there was uh, there was a off the record uh, confidence between players mm-hmm. and, and media right. and. And you had media that. guys had a had a phone full of, of players numbers. Sure, yeah, and and I think you know these guys stick around for eight nine years. Mm-hmm. Maybe that comes back to fruition. Yeah. But um, it's been just driven more towards a national 
media thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just look at the last five years and any breaking story regarding no, it ain't the come, It ain't coming out locally. No. It's coming from Shams or Woj, <laughs> right. like most teams are doing right mm-hmm. now. Um, that national exposure is just bigger than what you get yeah. in, in, the, in, in the in local media. And, you know, I, I, uh, I, I know a lot of people who disagree with that. And and mm-hmm. think it's a bad policy to have. Yeah. Not that it's a because the locals are the ones that are protecting your brand. The locals sure. are the ones who are like fighting for you yesterday. Right. And absolutely. Today. And you know, I mean, being a part of Grind City Media. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we're, we're. I ain't trying to make you into the evil. No, empire, but we're, you know but we're part of the organization, yeah. and mm-hmm. it, and it's uh, you know, still the the national media will get stories over the in house mm-hmm. media. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just the reality <laughs> of it. Right. Uh, that's just the way it is right now. And. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know it upsets some people. I know it upsets beat writers. Mm-hmm. I know it uh, uh, upsets uh, people who cover the team. But you know, I, I don't because you ain't no beat writer. You, I don't care. You, you a media pop star just like myself. I'm a media so you don't pop give a star. damn. About and and I'm like you. Moves. You know, well, I'm not here to break stories yeah. or just here to live, live a life, man. You know, oh, Ja hurt his ankle in the shoot around today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, if I, I see saw that, Marcus Smart I, <laughs> I see that happen. It's like, oh God, that sucks. You know, and I move yeah, on right. from it. But. Um, if somebody asks me, I'll talk about it. But other than yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's it's just a different <laughs> dynamic, and I don't think that's just Grizzlies only. I think that's really league wide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I just it's just kind of disappointing, man. That like the people who are really going to have your back when when shit gets real, we're not the ones who. And I don't particularly want it. I'm just saying, like I just noticed it. It's like right. it's no kickback to to the to the locals. We're the ones who when stuff really gets real. We're the ones who are protecting you, protecting these players, because this, this is the city we live in, man. We like yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the local media is truly local media. They're from here, you know what I mean. So it's just a different type of hit to it. But uh, we'll move on. I, I think that you're free, uh, Rob Fisher. I don't Thank think you. you had anything to do. I, I don't think you're in the mold that was talking to Tim McMahon at all. So we don't. We're going to slide them. We're going to bring some more of y'all in. We're going to schedule some more of these <laughs> over a couple of weeks till we figure out who it is. Uh, I'm not going to tell y'all who's up next, but we'll see if they'll come out to the show. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, Zaire Williams. Let's talk about the stuff on the court, man. Let's get into to the media mode, uh, Rob Fish. It's been good. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't take a lot of pre out of preseason. Yeah. It's kind of like summer league to me. If you're bad, uh, I couldn't yep. really make a point about it. But if you're mm-hmm. good, it's kind of like okay, good. That's what kind of what we want. That's yeah. kind of what we expect. But you know, Zaire, it's a huge year. Uh, I, I, I think the the noticeable thing with Zaire right now has been he's playing very confident. Mm-hmm. And and he's playing happy, you yep. know. He's got a smile on his face yep. that he just looks chirping a little bit. He's yeah, out there. Yeah, he just mm-hmm. he just looks so much more comfortable in this preseason than he did maybe at any time all of last year. Mm-hmm. He says he's healthy, says he's happy, uh, and he's performing. Um, they need him to. I, you know, I I thought the biggest issue with this team coming into this season was how good are your eight, nine, ten guys? Mm-hmm. You know, need to be better than what they were yeah. a year ago. And it, would someone, you know, grab it and take that opportunity? And I think Zaire's taken it. Yeah. And, and that, that's great to see because somebody needed to. Yeah. And, and you hoped that he could build on his rookie season this year. And uh, at least it's off to a good start so far. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Marcus Smart uh, has been, been some Marcus Smart sightings at, at, uh, in camp so far recently. He's set to play the final preseason game. Did you have any concerns about him when, he, when you weren't seeing him play at all? Nah. Yeah. No, I mean he's a veteran. Mm-hmm. Been in the league ten years. Yeah, if he's got an ouchie, he's gonna stick yeah. out. I mean nobody yeah. wants to practice. And, and he had a quote. <laughs> he had a quote with uh, I think the Michael Cole. He was like, 
Like, man, I know my body. I know, I know yeah. when I'm ready to go. So I, I wasn't concerned. I was concerned at first because I had heard stomach and then I had heard oblique. And mm-hmm. anytime you hear oblique in baseball, it could keep a guy out for weeks. Right. You know, so that concerned me at first. But then just the mild stomach soreness, what abdominal mm-hmm. soreness. Um, he says he's ready to go. He'll be back yeah. in action tomorrow night and then uh, for the opener. So uh, I wasn't concerned, uh, but I'm excited to see him yeah. on the floor finally. I mean, it, it's 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 been incredible watching you know we hear about what a leader that he is but even in these preseason games during timeouts marcus smarts before coach comes over marcus smarts in the middle of that huddle mm-hmm. barking out things to everybody yeah and 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 it's and it's not a lecture it's it's communication mm-hmm. going back and forth and uh so i'm we've, so excited to see him out so there. we've seen that already uh-huh. and i i think that was exciting to see and and we've even seen it you know Taylor Jenkins said at the end of last year when they were eliminated, he pointed out Ja, Jaron, and Dez and calling them the leaders of the team. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I mean, that was kind of the goodbye Dylan, but that yeah. was also <laughs> these are the three leaders of the team. And you're mm-hmm. seeing it more from Desmond Bain this year as well as far as being vocal um, during timeouts on the floor. Uh, you see Dez talking a lot, and I think that's a, that's, that's a great sign to see. Yeah. You know, you want to find that leadership in this team. It's something that's kind of been missing. Uh, since Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill left the team, mm-hmm. um, so to have him and to have Derrick Rose, I think is a is a great addition. Uh, you mentioned Derrick Rose; he, he looks like he can still play basketball yeah. a little bit. I mean, that's that's definitely exciting to see. We understand the leadership part, but he also looks like he can play as well. I don't think he's a guy that if they've got two games and three nights, I don't think he plays both of those games. Right. But he's a guy who I definitely feel like can give you serious like productivity this season and good minutes at their backup point guard position. Um, it really makes me feel confident that without Tyus, we'll be fine. With this, some combination of, of, of Derrick Rose, Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain playing on point, or whatever you're doing, it seems like we're good. How how What's your overall feeling about the whole Derrick Rose situation on and off the court, leadership and actually producing? I hadn't talked to Derrick Rose <laughs> mm-hmm. since he was a rookie in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And when I interviewed him when he was a rookie – I came away from that interview thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, I don't know how this guy's going to survive in the league. Mm-hmm. He just he, – he wasn't a good talker. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't. Um, and to hear him now and to hear him in the press conference even say, when I was younger, I couldn't articulate my thoughts. Right. And to hear him articulate his thoughts yeah. now is remarkable how different just of a – he's grown into a man. I right. mean, he's, he's a man now. And – and and has grown his maturity is, is unbelievable. He's one of the things that stuck out to me when I introduced myself to Derek. We talked for a couple of minutes, and at the end, he said, "What was your name again?" Rob, right? And mm-hmm. I was like, "Yeah." And it's like you know, he wants to remember your name. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, yeah. that's that always kind of catches me when right. people do that. Um, so off the floor, he's he's been fantastic, and and I think he has said all the right things, and um, you know, as far as not being a babysitter, but yeah. you know, here to compete. And uh, on the floor has been great. Yeah. I, I mean, that float is nasty. I, 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 no question. <laughs> I, I was, I was angry continually hearing people say, "Well, they signed him to be a, a, a leader and a babysitter." Yeah. You signed a guy for two years nah, to just dude, be a leader play, in a man. locker room guy. That dude could play. I mean, he's he better be able yeah. to play. I mean, if you sign yeah. him for two year contract, he yeah. better be able to play. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen him be able to play. I think you're right when you're going to have back-to-backs and things like that. Maybe we don't see him in one of those games. He Mm -hmm. even said, you know, 16 years in the league, what it takes his body to prepare for a game is like Mm -hmm. 24 hours. 
because he never understood guys not playing back-to-backs. Right. Now he kind of gets it. <laughs> right. So he knows his body. He knows his limitations. He knows his role. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's going to be very beneficial. I, I'm with you. I, right. I don't think the Grizzlies will take a step back at that backup point guard yeah, position because sure. I think he can play. Yeah, it seems like he's in good hands for sure. And something else about him is that you hear people say, "Wow, your story you shared is a lot of people are saying that. I remember he was this kid and now he's mature. Yeah. But I think people – you didn't really under, you didn't understate it. But I think people kind of understand it because not only is he mature, there's a lot of guys who are adults in the league now. He's like high level, top tier maturity, wisdom, yeah, in, intellect, all these type of things. He's turned into freaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like he's this dude turned into Bill Russell overnight. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, that's the level of guy you got in your locker room. Which, and like he's the type of guy when he starts speaking, everybody's oh be quiet, Derrick Rose is speaking. Yeah. Like because this he's got that level of maturity going on for sure. I'm excited about all of that. Speaking of, of maturity, uh, Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. are becoming veteran NBA players. Uh, immediate day, I was hearing Jaron say uh, pre- preparation for year six. I believe I was like, you like what are you talking about, man? Like you just got here. <laughs> but I was like, yeah. no, it is. He's been here that long. And Des, I think this is year four for him. I believe. Yeah. Um, those two guys look like they're ready to play for sure. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on those two? What What does peak Jaron and Bain look like for this team? Well, I, for two guys who honestly haven't even entered a peak yet, it's hard to put two guys from one team in an All Star game. Yeah, but, yeah. But why not? Yeah. I mean, Jaron just building on what happened last year. You know, def- defensively, when you're the defensive player of the year, a lot of times that's a reputation mm-hmm. award. He wasn't really on the radar when the season started. Mm-hmm. He earned it as the season went right. on. So now this year, he goes into this year, and it's the reputation of him being one of the best defenders in the mm-hmm. league, if not the best defender in the league. So I think he takes off from that and still gets the recognition of that. But then what he can do offensively, and what he's doing more of going to the basket and showing his moves and showing his length, mm-hmm. um, can, I, I think can make him an all-star because his numbers could be really good too. Yeah. Desmond Bain, I thought last year was an all-star year for Desmond Bain, more so than it. I did Jaren yeah. at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. At least. And Desmond came out and played three games healthy, or six games healthy. Three of them he scored over 30 points. Yep. Then he wasn't healthy the rest of the season. Um, I'm expecting that again. Yeah. I'm, you know, the thing that I've been impressed with Desmond so far in the preseason is when he stops on a dime, he does. I don't cringe. Yeah. I mean, last <laughs> year when he stopped on a dime, you're like, oh, God, yeah. that's got to hurt, you know? And, yeah. And sometimes you'd see him wince a little bit. He's mm-hmm. doing it again without stopping yeah. and just, you know, doing it as part of his move and then letting the shot go. Mm-hmm. And last year there was a little pain in there. So I, I expect big things from Dez. I, I think he can take off as, as an all-star, can be a guy that can score over 20 points a game and can be a, a big-time three-point shooter in the yeah. league. And uh, I think those things combined can make him an all-star this year. I, I expect a big year. From yeah. Desmond. I expect the jump this year from Desmond that I expected last year. Yeah. Not that he was bad last year. It was really he good. Had injuries, yeah. But I think it could have been, even been better, and mm-hmm. I expect that this year. Uh, you talked about Zaire Williams earlier, how he's kind of separated himself from the Jake LaRavias, the David Wrighties. We've all been saying, if we just go with one of those three guys to pan out, mm-hmm. we'll be fine. Zaire looking like, looks like he's about to set up to clearly separate himself from those guys, probably be your, your starter for the first 25 games before Jai gets back. Um, between Laravy and Roddy, do you have any hope of those guys turning into anything this year? Who gets minutes between those two? What are your overall thoughts just on Jake Laravia and David Roddy? Two pretty different players. I think the thing you, you hope to see is just consistency from mm-hmm. them. I mean, where you can count on them. Mm-hmm. You know, Roddy, I think he's pretty close to being able to just count on you know what you're going to get. Go out there and do something, yeah. 
go out, make something happen, yeah. bring some energy, make a basket, you know, get a steal, yeah. whatever. Look strong. Get, get look, a couple fouls. Look big body out there. Look, yeah. 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 So I, I think you kind of know what to expect. You know, can he just can consistently do it at, at his high level? And then Jake, you know, I, li- I like in the preseason seeing Jake go into the basket more, mm-hmm. attacking the basket, getting layups, having the goggles knocked off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he does that more. I think it opens up the three for him too. But yeah. again, it's just got to be consistently. They got to be able to be counted on when called upon and do what they do. Yeah. And Jake, that would be make some baskets um, and work really hard defensively. Uh, Roddy, it's wreak havoc uh, mm-hmm. when you come out there. So, um, you know, I, I think those are a couple of things that you want to see from them. It's it's mostly the consistency. Coach would tell you it's about the defense, uh, period. And that he'll stop and end right there, just saying they yeah. got to come in and defend if they're coming off the bench. So I know it's something that you, you've seen them working on in, in during these games of trying to be more active defensively. And uh, but I don't know. I don't know if either one has separated themselves from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might just be a feel of hey, we need some energy, or hey, we need a three point shot. You know which guy I go yeah. with and. And then, you know, one of them could own the job if, if they can do it consistently. Yeah. But right now, I think it's a competition, but I think it's a good competition. Yeah. They, they both seem to be seeing Jake look a little bit more confident, a little bit more competent yeah. has, has been good for sure. And with Roddy, you pretty much know uh, what he's going to be. Uh, speaking of guys, if you've kind of had to, you know, go through the development process, a guy like Xavier Tillman, how can you not be excited about him finding his, uh, his niche in the league, finding his spot? A lot of people, which I thought were foolishly saying this, were saying, oh, that's just Jaren's friend. But he's shown himself to be a rotation-level big, played big minutes in the playoffs, guarded LeBron James probably better than Dylan Brooks did, you know what I mean, <laughs> in that playoff yeah. series. How excited are you for, for Xavier Tillman finding his way, uh, had some health stuff things going on a couple of years ago, and now, you know, proving he's a guy, you know, who can be a rotation player? I don't know what to expect from him mm-hmm. other than – I'll, I'll get everything good from him when he plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, is he a normal rotation every night? No. He's going to come off the bench for Steven? There might probably be games he doesn't play. Yeah, it's probably might be games he doesn't yeah, play. Because Jaren will just slide down to the front. Right. Yep. And, but that's how it's been for Xavier mm-hmm. Tillman. And, and the most impressive thing about him is the guy just stays ready. Ready, yep. Always. And when he comes in, he gives you – Minutes that are yeah. quality minutes. I mean, there, I, I don't, can't remember many times, if any, where Xavier Tillman comes out of the game. You're like, whoo, he didn't give you anything tonight. Right. I mean, he gives you something every yeah. time he plays. So, And I'm happy for him because he's such a such a good dude, and he busts his tail constantly mm-hmm. that I, I like to see him rewarded. And, and I think a lot of times, you know, Coach rewards him. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and he'll continue to get rewarded because he stays ready to play. He works hard in practice. Last year he went to the hustle on, on you know, asked to go to the hustle right. so he could get some more minutes. So it's, it's a guy that's just – he's hungry to play, and when he gets in there, he performs. And I, I'm happy for him because uh, I think he deserves it. He, uh, he's, he's earned his playing time, and, and he deserves his playing time, and when he does play, you, you just know what you're going to get. You're going to yeah. get a solid performance from X. Switching over to uh, Junior Lawton, who has been a very uh, polarizing player as far as fan perception. We're talking about a guy who's probably your 15th man on the roster. He he probably would not have been – he probably would not have made the roster last year if not for the Steven Adams, Brandon Clark injuries. Have you ever seen a guy who's 
that position on the roster whose game has been di- – we're talking about a 21-year-old, second-year, 15th man of your roster whose game is dissected the way that Junior Lofton is. My thing is, dude, whatever he is – Maybe Hamed Haddadi. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's wild, bro. <laughs> it's like you got – and I'm a part of the Junior Lo- junior Mafia. I'm part of oh, it. I, like, I love him. I'm, I, you, how can you not love to see him on the court, especially when he's playing in minutes where they're like, feed, feed uh, Lofton, let him go do his thing. Like, how can you get, not get excited about that? But – People just sound nuts on both sides, man. You have people acting like he's just this guy who just can't play basketball, has no purpose on this team. And some people acting like he's Zach Randolph, but we just don't he's know he's Zach Randolph. Right. <laughs> like, no, he's not. I don't think he's either one of those. Like, like it's just so strange, though, man, because we've never, we've never looked at a guy who's literally the 15 man on the roster. I'm not saying he's the 15 best talent, but he's that's what he is. Like, he, he got added to the roster at the end of the season last year. Like, how do you have a guy like that and just has that much – conversation about him. Even here today, yeah. here we are talking about this guy. I skipped a lot of dudes to get to Junior <laughs> So, uh, have you ever seen anything as wild no. as, as this? I he's, he's so fascinating. Yeah. Because of his size, his offensive skill set is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, point guard-like. Yeah. Where, I mean, to see a guy that big dribble the way that he does, pull up from three or crash to the boards yep. or whatever, I mean, he's – He's got such an interesting game. With an old school game mixed into it, too. It's it's wild, man. It's fun. It's Mm -hmm. he's fun to watch. And then defensive, he's not a very good defender. I mean, that's that's the thing that holds him back, Mm -hmm. I think, a little bit, is is his defense. And he knows that. But he ain't the first one-sided player in the NBA. No, but 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 even if he but even if he's not a great defender, uh, good rebounder. Yeah. You know, he still gets his hand on the ball a lot. And he does little things that look like And he's three or four inches so shorter. He's like three inches shorter than every dude right. he's guarding. But he'll, he'll still get a hand and tip it in <laughs> or still get the hand and tip it out. Yeah. I mean, he uh, he's able to do that. I hope he has a career in the league because I'm I'm interested to watch uh-huh. his career. Maybe it's in Memphis. Maybe it's not in Memphis. But I don't he's know. got time. He's 21. But he's still young. Uh-huh. and But I think he's he's got a skill set that – he could be in the league. Yeah. Heck, he said last year he was born to be in the NBA. Yeah, man, he's so fun. He talks with so much <laughs> bravado, so much confidence, man. I just, I just look forward to some blowouts when we get some Julian Lofton minutes. Either winning or losing, I want to see some. Why isn't he starting? <laughs> right, right? I want to see some. <laughs> I got to see some Junior Lofton minutes because it's super fun, man. For sure, he he reminds me of my own kid because I talked about earlier how Gabe is. Gabe is kind of a a, a chunkier kid, mm-hmm. right? You cannot tell Gabe. He plays wide receiver for his school. Gabe is slow as all outdoors. <laughs> but he lines up. He's got the gear on. Right. You can't t- he's, he's, uh, You cannot tell Gabe he's not. Whoever the best receiver in the league is, you can't tell Gabe he's not on that level. Like, <laughs> and that's what Kenny Lofton, he looks like a kid. It's like, okay, bro. Like, <laughs> but, but if you hear him talk, he's like, yeah, man, I'm the best six since Bill Russell. Like, what? Like, what are right, you talking right. about? Right, right. I mean, <laughs> have you lost your mind? But, yeah. But he's super fun. I get it. Uh, and a good teammate. Yeah, you know, I mean, the players like him. Yeah, everybody likes him. He's that guy. Yeah. He's that fifteenth guy that everybody likes. Everybody, just keep him, just keep him around forever, and man. You root for and, him yeah. And, yeah. Oh man, he's a, he's such a such a great just story. Like just to see him is, is just fun. You cannot watch his games and not be entertained. No. I don't care what he's doing. If he's out there stinking up the place, he's entertaining. Yeah. If he's taking bad shots, man, that's that's whatever. Well, I started watching him when he was at La Tech because mm-hmm. they were in their conference tournament. It was one of the only conference tournaments going on. He probably on. dropped and about I, 30. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to bet games, right? Yeah, and I'm uh-huh. watching. I'm like, oh, I'll bet this game. And i just watching him. I'm like, is is he the point guard of this team <laughs> or what is going on? And uh-huh. he just dominated in college. Dominated. Yeah. And, and it, it was sweet offensive skill moves and then yeah. defensively grabbing every rebound. I mean, 
Killing he was dudes. fun to watch. So I ended up watching like all their games that, right. <laughs> in that tournament. And then we got him, and uh, so I was excited to watch him play, and I I enjoy watching him play every yeah. every time he gets a chance. And he doesn't make drafting that not drafting him, acquiring him made zero sense because he's not the type of guy the Grizzlies they got a type, and he's not their type at all. But seeing this like misfit of a kid stuck on his team in a city like Memphis, who's going to eat up all the shit that he's <laughs> spamming on out there on the court, man, like it's 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 so fascinating. It's such a wild story for sure. But I'm pulling for him. Yeah. But uh, this is my man, Rob Fisher. We are not friends. Rob, you want to be friends, man? I do. Let's start being friends. I, I got to start investing time in you, bro. Let's. Right. We got to start, you know, sitting down and having a drink. Or Absolutely. Doing that type Let's of do stuff. It. Let's, let's build a friendship. Let's build a friendship relationship, man. Let's build it. Let's yeah, there you go, it. man. We'll talk there some go. family. Yeah, there you go. Stuff. I can tell you about baby mama stuff and all kinds of yeah, Whatever. <laughs> hey, Anthony, I got a question for all Rob. Right. Go ahead. You host the Infill Fly Show with uh, Lang and, uh, is it Kevin Murphy? Keith Murphy. Keith Murphy, excuse me, um, over at GCM. Um, That'd be mistaken with Keith Murray of uh, <laughs> Def Squad. No, right, 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 right. <laughs> we got the NLCS, ALCS going on right now. Who's going who's gonna to be in the World Series? <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, well, I guess the I, – I would, I would guess the Phillies. Um, I think they're just better than the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks just uh, – they're, they're fun team. They're a young team. They play really good baseball, but – Philadelphia is just bombing the ball all over the place right now with their lineup, and they got better pitching. So I, I like Philadelphia. They're up 2-0, so it's not a big stretch there. Uh, Texas is up 2-1 on Houston. I like Texas to win tonight, so they go up 3-1. I think I would certainly pick Texas, but uh, never count Houston out because they are champions, yeah. and they got a lot of guys who have been there before. Who've but, been there before. Yeah. So, But I'll, uh, I'll go with Texas. I'll go with some new blood. Uh, with Texas and Philadelphia in the World Series, and uh, we'll go with uh, we'll go with the Phillies. Phillies win the World Series. Yeah, me too. Why is play Why is playoff baseball so much fun? I mean, it is just like is it really? It hits another level, man. Well, because every pitch matters, you know. I mean, in 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 games, you know, every run matters, every pitch matters. The crowd's electric. I mean, crowds really aren't electric during the regular season of baseball, but in the postseason, they get electric and. And so that makes it a lot of fun, too, the atmosphere uh, around the game. Yeah. I agree with everything Rob said. That's right. I co-signed. Because we're friends. Yeah, because we're friends. We're building a friendship relationship, man. That's right. We're in the courting stage. <laughs> <laughs> what is uh, – who does who does the dude uh, – he messed his shoulder up or something. Who do you play for? Uh, Shohei? Yeah, Shohei Otani, right? Shohei Otani, yeah. Yeah, Otani, yeah. Best who you, player in the game. He's, who you a, play for? he's a unicorn. Who do you uh, play for? He plays for the Angels. They, they out. They out. But he's a free agent this offseason. Where you going? And it's going to be the highest paid I mean, all player. Yeah. All I mean, they're talking $550 million contract God, possibly uh, for like 10 years. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Dodgers are on that list. Uh, he could stay in Anaheim. Um, I don't know. It, San Francisco possibly as well. Uh, I think he stays on the West Coast. I, I My guess would be he stays in Anaheim. Are the Redbirds anywhere? on it? The Memphis Redbirds? Yeah. Are they anywhere like playoffs or anything? No, is they on the, the radar for Shohei? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think they're gonna be able to pull that off. That would be, that'd be a coup. He would be like player slash owner probably. If he, like, yeah, and I you, don't think they could pay him. No, money. probably could. Probably like give him the whole stadium and FedEx for him. and FedEx for him yeah. <laughs> and ask him to pay for the Liberty Bowl as well. That's <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it's my my, my soon to be friend Rob Fisher. <laughs> Of uh, <laughs> of Bally. Hey, what's going on with Bally's, man? We, you know, I don't play somebody. <laughs> <You can> be, <laughs> I'm 
people. Like they barely, the game just kind of went off. <laughs> like, damn, we're good. We're good. I'm we'll sitting, be on the air Thursday on Valley okay. Sports. I'm just making sure, man, because my yeah. bootleg stream was going the whole game. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're good. We're good. We'll be there. We'll be there Thursday and uh, throughout the season. So tune in on Valley Sports Southeast. Grizzlies Live gets underway a half hour before each game. Yeah. Hour on opening night. Hour pregame yeah. show. Yeah. I'm about to hum the music. They changed the music. I, can't, I don't know the new, the new music they, had, they got for Ballas. That's not it, is it? No. That's like the NBA on NBC, I think. They created a new joint. What is it? Yeah, that's remember. the John Tesh stuff. You're, yeah. you're, you're yeah. humming over there. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll remember it when we start the season, and yeah. then I won't be able to get it on my head. But, yeah, shout out to my man Rob Fisher. He's off the hook. I don't think he was the mole uh, in the whole uh, – Internal Grizz employee, but uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, you got some boys that's kind of bowlish over there. I got my eyes on. But yeah, we about to go to break, man. We come back to three pointer here on the Edge of the Saints show. See y'all in a minute. Bluff City Media and Bluff City NIL are proud partners of Coaching for Literacy, a Memphis nonprofit using the power of sports to impact childhood literacy. When you donate to Bluff City NIL through Coaching for Literacy, your gift is 100% tax deductible. This partnership is a win, win, win. Tiger student athletes win in the NIL landscape. Coaching for Literacy wins by engaging Tiger student athletes in this monumental cause. And most importantly, Elementary students in Memphis receive support to become strong readers. To donate today, visit coachingforliteracy.org slash bluff hyphen city. I don't think Seth has progressed since his freshman year, and I, I think either. that's pretty obvious. I think he's regressed <laughs> in a lot of ways. Especially turnovers. That's Manage, the biggest one. In, in, in managing how he throws the ball and where he throws the ball and the timeliness of throwing said ball. I think he has regressed in putting the ball in harm's way. That much is very obvious, but there's a lot of reasons that could be the case. Turnovers don't come don't come from a vanilla or lack of creativity on offense. They just come from most of the time bad ball placement. Yes. Or bad reads. Yes. You can't place turnovers on an offensive system. And I don't know if it's set. You can place bad offense on an offensive yes. system. Yes. And the lack of sort of explosiveness. Of explosiveness, running game, all those other things. Place that directly on the offensive system. Seven picks? Yeah. No. 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 Can't that's, do it. That's on that's on ball placement. And that's on two. That's on number reads. two himself. Yeah. Tune into On the Bluff with Christian Fowler and Gabe Kuhn. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. If I Unholy hear reason. one more time, post game from anybody, staff, player, fan, they ran something defensively we hadn't seen on film. I'm going to lose my mind. If you and I were head coaches for two different teams, do you think you would change up just a little bit what you do? Oh, yeah. Every game? Yeah. Yeah. I really hope our defense is doing that. I hope our offense is doing that. Uh, like I legitimately, when he, when I heard that, I was like, I misunderstood the statement, or he misunderstood the question, because there's no way in hell you want me to believe that you were like, uh, they just didn't run the same thing there's, that we've seen on film the past six weeks. Yeah, I don't. I mean, there's no way. It's like taking a test and test and expecting all the answers to be given to you beforehand. 
Look, I mean, the questions were different than the practice test. Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. And this is going to be Gabe Davis, over 19 and a half longest receptions, minus 110. Um, I know I saw this over at DraftKings. This is a guy who's went now six games in a row, dating back to last year. Um, and so he has hit this, and it's not even close. Like, some people are all over his over two and a half receptions against the Jaguars, over his, I think it's 41 or 46 and a half uh, receiving yards. He is a guy who catches deep balls. Tune into Bluff City Bets presented by Zen Sports with Mark King and Daniel Greer every Tuesday and Friday afternoon at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube network. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Edge of the Same Show. We were laughing during the break, man, because... I, I put I gave Rob Fisher the clearance. I said that he's not. I've cleared him as being a suspect. You cleared him pretty quick. As being, yeah, I, I might have been a little premature, man, because I just started thinking in my head that whole alligator, mm. he, the alligators got him thing. I said that in the Rob Fisher voice, and it just sounded like Rob Fisher, man. It sounded natural, right? Yeah, it was like, oh, you know, it was fine, man. You know, then the alligators got him. You know? <laughs> I was like, oh shit, it might have been Rob. Let's bring him back in here. Man. Yeah, we gotta. I want to hear him say the alligators yeah. got him. We need to bring him back in here. In the Rob Fisher voice. Yeah, in the Rob it. Fisher voice. Yeah, because he, yeah, man, I, I want to say my guy's good. He he might get a double jeopardy though. He might get out on that where I can't. Mm. Uh, yeah, I've already released him, so yeah, we'll have to try again. I don't know. We'll, we'll, I, I did feel like you 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 let him off the hook. Yeah, maybe a little premature. Yeah, man. You, you let him off the hook. Yeah, we got we got to step our investigation up, man, uh, to figure out who that mode was over at uh, FedEx Forum for sure. <laughs> but the three pointer is where we talk about three things that are going on in the world of sports that are on my mind today. All basketball related uh, stuff today. Kenny Stubblefield. Number one, James Harden has left the 76ers training camp. Uh, this is such a weird story, God, man. Because I think James Harden doesn't really un he's I think he's really unaware of the level of leverage he has and where he is at this point of his career. Yeah. And I don't I don't really think he gives a damn either, <laughs> which is I'm also cool with, but it's just it's just making him look bad in a time in his I'd rather see him just play out your contract and then just go to wherever you want to go, man. Like doing doing this is kind of crazy because this ain't like the 76 team is going to be bad. This team is going to be good. And I'm like, why do you want to go to the Clippers so bad? I understand they're a loaded team. They got Paul George. They got Kawhi Leonard. But, dude, you you might can do your own thing over here. I know the East is crazy too, but I don't I don't like it. It seems kind of dumb. But all of this really points me to another theory that I've seen Kenny Stubblefield but haven't particularly wanted to speak on. All right. Because they said that right now that James Harden is in what city? Do you know? I've not heard. He's in Houston. He's hiding out in Houston while the Philadelphia 76ers are having camp. All the reports are saying that um, he wants to be a Clipper. I would not be surprised if his final destination actually is Houston. And I'm going to tell you some things I'm looking at. You know who had an interest in offseason? Dylan Brooks. The, the, Dylan Brooks. <laughs> the Houston Rockets had an interest in offseason. Yes, off they did. They paid uh, Dylan Brooks a contract that's a little healthy. That's a little, maybe a little more than what you think his market value would have been. And it just made me kind of look at that whole situation. Um, I believe that Houston Houston didn't have many guys that, that if you were to trade them had where their contract value and their actual value on the court lined up. 
You understand what I'm saying? That's interesting, yeah. Like, uh, what's the kid? The kid from... Um, Jalen Green, Jabari yeah. Smith. Jalen Green, Jabari Smith. Those are two future all-star level guys yeah, absolutely. as far as talent. But their contracts, they're on rookie deals, so their yeah. contracts are very small. If you move a guy like that, those being probably your better assets, you're talking about like a $6 million contract or something like, you know, a small deal like that. Right. But if you want to move a guy, whether it's a Alperon Shingun or whatever you're doing, whatever, if, you're, if you're looking to – Fred Van Fleet. Whatever. Exactly. If you're, at, if you're looking to move a piece – it's got to be something that where the guy's contract value, hundred percent, is you can actually move that deal to get another player. Right. So I look at guys like Dylan Brooks, who can't be traded until I think January the fifteenth. Anyway, if he's a, he's the perfect type of guy if you're trying to move him in a deal for James Harden, his contract that that overpaid contract could make him an asset that you can put in a trade for James Harden or another player, and it could make sense. It can make the deal actually happen financially as opposed to some of your younger guys, you know, a lot of these rookies. Or you can add them with one of these younger guys, one of your rookies, two-year players, whatever, and you can make a deal. And like I said, when I saw his – when I, the more I look at that, I'm not sure that Houston actually has long-term plans for Dylan. Hmm. I think I think they kind of signed him to trade him. Interesting. With the with Sign him with trading him being a possibility, if that makes any sense. Okay. Not particularly. We just, we just signed him to trade him. Now, I think they signed him and like, well, if he don't work out – Let's make his deal this number because at this number I can we can move him in a deal, even though it may not match his value. Matches it, it provides value. more favorable trade mm-hmm. value, right, right? Right, that contract. So I'm I'm looking hard at James Harden, Houston, and Philly, because if you look at Philadelphia, Dylan Brooks would fit good on the Philadelphia team. Yeah, he would. You know what I mean? Like for real. Like you could uh, you could put him at the three. And he could be, yeah, he could be a Who's very nice. Right? Is it Matisse Stiebel? Is their three? I right think now? it's Stiebel because I think they play my boy at the four, the dude like J Cole. Can't think of his name. Um, uh, uh, he was talking about he sh- he probably should have been an All Star. Like, all right, relax. Um, <laughs> can't think of his name, but yeah, him. He, I think they would move him up to the four, move Dylan to the three. That could be a nice situation they got in, in, in Philadelphia. This isn't really. That's not based on anything. This is just like me. Stuff that just makes sense. Because that Clipper thing, sometimes GMs get to the point where they're like, hey, I'm trading you. I ain't trading you there. As we saw with with, with Damian Lewis. So um, if I was to see what a second destination would be for Harden, I could see him getting moved to Houston. You Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. You think Harden comes back to the Phillies or to the Philadelphia 76ers? Man, that stuff's so crazy. Ain't no telling how that's going to look. Because he's, he's left camp. I'm out. You know what I mean? So we'll see, man. He sings for real about it. Um... He's got money, so I don't think he's really tripping about that part. So we'll see. But number two, uh, former Portland Trailblazers coach Terry Stotts steps down as a Milwaukee Bucks assistant. And guess why people are saying that he did that? Katie Stubberville. Dame time, baby. Yeah, Damian Lillard was his former star player when he was in Portland. Uh, most people think that uh, <laughs> Damian Lillard got him fired, uh, got him up out of there. Uh, so now, yeah, now he has to coach and see Dame every day. And Terry stops. Terry stops. Step down. Step down. I get it. Who's the, co- <laughs> Who's the head coach for the Bucks? Man, you know what? I didn't know until we played them. I was like, "What? Adrian Griffin's the coach of the Bucks?" Adrian Griffin. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I was like, "I didn't know that." Yeah. Like, I, I, I guess I remember that happening, but I just kind of forgot about it. Yeah, I kind of forgot about it too. I didn't know. Like, that seems like a hell of a come up, man, for Adrian Griffin to get the Bucks job. Like, dude, you just stepped into. You might be out there looking like Luke Walton. Like you, right. you're gonna get the finesse pass, man. Twenty-seven sure. and one in the first. Yeah. Oh, what you waiting to see? What what the narrative around that kid is gonna be? 
Anyway, I'm going to leave that alone. But you know how that goes, man. If it was like Steve Nash or somebody, they'd be talking about how, how good of a job he's. Steve a, Kerr or somebody. But Adrian Griffin, they'll just say, well, you know, he's playing with a team that, you know, went to the finals and won a championship. Right. <laughs> never get that man his props. People don't even want to give Ty Lue his props. Anyway, uh, number three, this one. Um, man, you ever, like, wanted to be a fan of something, but you're not, but you want to get in on the fun everybody else is having? NFL football. That's where you are for real? Yep. Like, I don't have a team. Like, I've tried. <laughs> I've tried, Anthony. Yeah, I tried to get in with the 49ers. They lost the other day. I was like, all right, I don't care. Like, that was dumb. And then the game was ugly when they lost. I tried to get on the Tennessee Titans a few years ago. Can't do it. Can't do it. But no, nah, man, but but it also doesn't look fun to me. Nah. Like, when I sit back and watch NFL fan energy, it just looks kind of stupid to me. <laughs> like, people say, oh, I'm a cowboy. Like, what? Yeah. Like, I'm a, I'm a Grizzlies fanatic. I don't go around to my, I'm a Grizzly. Like, it right. just sounds stupid. But, like, I, like NFL fandom always just looks weird to me from a distance, just being honest. Um, but I want to be part of this WNBA thing. <laughs> like, I really feel left out. And, like, and here's the thing. I have grown. I'm matured. I'm less chauvinistic in that area. If you'd asked me these type of questions three or four years ago, I would have said, all oh, y'all are fake. Y'all are doing this. It's some PC stuff. You don't want to be looked at as chauvinist or whatever. Like, I, used, I, I was on it. But now I look at it like, okay, this is actually a good product. But I just don't have the bandwidth to get into it. That's exactly it for me. And I, it, it's like... I think it kind of needs to happen while the NBA is going on. I, I think their whole approach to it, I'm not going to say it's wrong because it's definitely gaining popularity, like for sure. It's definitely becoming a much more mainstream product. I think that um, with the, uh, the, the 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 Reese lady for LSU. Skylar Reese. Scott, and uh, her and, and the girl at uh, the other school. The, Caitlin the new, Clark. Yeah, the new Magic. The oh, new, my God. The new Magic and, and Bird thing Man. they got going. I think that's going to take the WNBA to a, a totally different level. When those two girls, two two ladies get into the league. But um, I just, it's not that I don't want to get into it. It's like I just, I like, I don't have bandwidth for it. Like I don't, do you I, think I can't it, manage nothing else, man? I can't manage another league to care about. It, it looks, I see Paris talking about it. I see a lot of guys I respect. Yeah. Cool, young, urban, black uh, yeah. media members. Like, oh, man, this is, I see beautiful women who, journalists who are covering this stuff. I'm like, man, I'm in, I need to get in on this. You know what I mean? Right. But it's like, I just, I'm I, like the meme I put up last night, man. I'm just a dude in the window looking at y'all have fun, and I wish I wish I was a part of. It. I agree. I mean, you do you think that if uh, there was a team closer to Memphis, no. you'd be able to? Still wouldn't care. I don't know because I care about nine one FC. Yeah, like, yeah. So I'm not gonna say that. Um, not Nashville though. They gotta be in Memphis for me to care. I'm not pulling for the Nashville team. Yeah. Asia Wilson wins Finals MVP. She's a beast, man. Yeah, she's cold. People are saying she should have won regular season MVP. Who won regular season MVP? You know, Brianna Stewart. No, oh, shout out. But yeah, Asia Wilson, two-time champ, Finals MVP. Woe is me because I can't get in on the fun. But uh, I can't get in on the reindeer games with the rest of y'all. But I'm, maybe next year, man. Maybe next year I'll find time. But Gabe's playing like five sports, so right. it's kind of hard for me to find time, man, for sure. And then I've got this show, another podcast coming soon. Look out for the Saint and Silent podcast. Just me talking shit. May or may not be about sports. Probably won't be. Look out for that coming soon. Uh, Silent Media Group, that thing's rolling. I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know how, how I have time. It is tough it. to add things to your yeah. to your plate. Plus, when, I got a day job. Yeah, so it's tough to add add uh, add things to your plate, especially when recreational going. stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, that's it, man. That's the three pointer. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about inside the same brain. <sighs> this documentary, man. How Joe Budden is ruining my life. I'll tell you about that <laughs> indirectly. How he's ruined my life. 
here on the Answer the Same show for Inside the Same Brain. See you guys in a minute. I don't think Seth has progressed since his freshman year. I, don't I think either. that's pretty obvious. I think he's regressed <laughs> in a lot of ways. Especially turnovers. That's Manage, the biggest one. In, in, in managing how he throws the ball and where he throws the ball and the timeliness of throwing said ball. I think he has regressed in putting the ball in harm's way. That much is very obvious. But there's a lot of reasons that could be the case. Turnovers don't come don't come from a vanilla or lack of creativity on offense. They just come from, most of the time, bad ball placement. Yes. Or bad reads. Yes. You can't place turnovers on an offensive system. And I don't know if it's set. You can place bad offense on an offensive yes. system. Yes. And the lack of sort of explosiveness. explosiveness, running game, all those other things. Place that directly on the offensive system. Seven picks? Yeah. No. 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 Can't that's, do it. That's on that's on ball placement. And that's on two. That's on number reads. two himself. Yeah. Tune in to On the Bluff with Christian Fowler and Gabe Kuhn every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Derrick Henry, over 75 and a half rushing yards. Okay, it's minus 114 right now. I just played it. Uh, it's, it's over on FanDuel. Okay, well, I do love this play. And let me tell you why. I'm going to pull up the stats real quick that I have over here on my buddy Derrick Henry. His first year, he was behind DeMarco Murray in 2016. Didn't play much, right? Well, let's give you the last matchups he's had dating back all the way to 2017 against a uh, division rival in the Colts, okay? His first game where he was the starter, he had 19 rush attempts on 131 yards. Okay? Let me give you those five five games leading up into 2019. Tune into Bluff City Bets presented by Zen Sports with Mark King and Daniel Greer every Tuesday and Friday afternoon at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube network. Well, one of the most frustrating parts from Friday night was our boy uh, Andres Fox with his little nard punch <sighs> on what was about to be a big third and nine Tulane had from their own 20-yard line with nine minutes left in the game. Yeah. He decides to just Judy chop some dude in the wiener. It was more than a just a little nut tap. Oh, he punched him. Yeah. I've played in a lot of, like... <laughs> sporting competitive <laughs> events and I've gotten mad and I'll like shove somebody or something or what, like I have never once stood up and been so mad and was like I'm gonna hit this dude in the nuts left. were As you a, shocked that he only got half I am against UAB I thought Ryan was going to throw him off of the team so did I I thought his career was over like his college football career was and absolutely over. he's just not gonna play 30 minutes of football <laughs> is that 15 for each nut I don't know dude Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Bluff City Media and Bluff City NIL are proud partners of Coaching for Literacy, a Memphis nonprofit using the power of sports to impact childhood literacy. When you donate to Bluff City NIL through Coaching for Literacy, your gift is 100% tax deductible. This partnership is a win, win, win. 
Tiger student-athletes win in the NIL landscape. Coaching for Literacy wins by engaging Tiger student-athletes in this monumental cause. And most importantly, elementary students in Memphis receive support to become strong readers. To donate today, visit coachingforliteracy.org slash bluff hyphen city. All right, y'all, welcome back to the final segment of the show, Inside the Same Brain. Shout out to my man, Rob Fisher, coming on with me today, uh, trying to build a, a friendship relationship with my boy, Rob. He, he, Rob's one of those guys where I don't consider him my friend, but he's he's right there on the edge. Like, he's, you know, he's right there as far as being part of my crew, the guys I really fool with like that, for sure. Um, but yeah, Inside the Same Brain, where I talk about something that's on my mind, on my brain, may be a result of my glaucoma medication, and it may not. Uh, this time it's not. Uh, as well, but on a little streak, man. Just having the natural crazy shit to talk about with y'all um, on the Anthony Sane show. Uh, I mentioned in the last segment that I blame Joe Budden for this. I listen to Joe Budden's podcast a lot, and since I've been I've been uh, lured into becoming a Patreon member, I get to hear more Joe Budden, <laughs> uh, Kenny Stubblefield. And one of his episodes, he was talking about this Hulu documentary called "The Horror Inside," which talks about a man in the state of Tennessee. Um, I do not live in the state of Tennessee. I live in Memphis. So you Tennesseans can tell me more about the, the Tennessee experience. I know nothing about it. I visited a couple times. Uh, never lived there. Uh, a guy named Russ McCamey is uh, is uh, who the documentary is about. And he has something called McCamey Manor, which is a um, high-level uh, – he doesn't call it a hunt, hunted house. He calls it a hunt, where it's like a hunt experience. But it's it was – it's allegedly in some house, but it's like high level fear, where it's like interactive and you're putting. It's it's a endurance test of the mind, body, soul, your will, all those type of things. And um, he's been labeled as a madman. He's been labeled as crazy. He's been labeled as is is legally torturing people. And they've they've had doctors interviewed who say you know psychiatrists say that he's a madman and what he's doing he should be arrested for and all these type of things. And I've I've actually fell asleep on the documentary. Check it out on Hulu. But I've gone down. It's called The Horror Inside. I fell down the weirdest rabbit hole. Because whenever I watch a movie or I see a story, I like to go on YouTube and see is there any other commentary about what I just watched. I fell asleep on the documentary. I still got to go back to, to that part. But I fell down the craziest rabbit hole, Kenny Stubberfield, where... I feel like I'm a part of this man's cult at this point because <laughs> I've seen every expose video on YouTube. I watched about three or four hours of this stuff between midnight and four in the morning last night of uh, exposing this man to be a fraud, to be scamming. There are people who are saying that, because he's like, man, I've got rats, got this rat thing, and then you go to the snake thing, and I've got all this going on. I've got zip lines and underground stuff going on. But when you look at the facility, it's literally just a trailer, like a, a small house, a trailer, and a nice little piece of land. And people are like, no, nah, man, like I don't think you have any of this stuff. Like, whatever you're describing, like, and it, it's, bro, just watch it, because it's the wildest thing. And, and I've gone down this uh, rabbit hole for it. There are people exposing him to be a fake. Uh, there's a, a group of YouTubers who have, uh, uh, who have uh, got their hands on a hard drive that includes stuff that is incriminating about him. 
but is a wild wild dude who's doing these uh, extreme level haunted houses that are physical. Like they, those YouTubers think that he's doing illegal stuff, right? Yeah, he's doing things. There are things on those in that hard drive that's incriminating to him. And he gets on YouTube, and he gets on Facebook, and he live streams. But you've got to be a member of his Facebook group to see the live stream. And that's where the cult comes in. Yeah, they think it's uh, it's a cult mentality. And I want to say you have to. He's like, oh, I got a twenty thousand people uh, waiting list, and um, you know, it's a twenty thousand dollar to go through the prize if you yeah, yeah. Uh, to go through it. It's a, if you get twenty thousand dollars if you go all the way through. But he determines if you go all the way through or not. Because he'll just keep it going until you quit or you die. And, and it's like a waiver form. It's like uh, you might be thrown from a plane. You might lose teeth. You might get hair cut out. You might have broken bones. Bad broken neck. You might have dehydration. You might die. Like you're signing off on all these things. Like you might <laughs> die. Sign off. You might have a headache. Sign off. You might break a leg. Sign off. Like all this weird stuff, bro. You might and, lose uh, all your teeth. Right, right. But it's it's wild stuff. I'll fall. I'll fall down a rabbit hole to the point where I feel like I've been converted to Russ McCaminism. Oh, wow. Whatever. But it's wild stuff, man. Um, you going to let me videotape you going through No, it? no, I ain't doing that shit. No, nah, black people don't do that. Because if you, if you look at the thing, ain't, ain't that one black, it's one black lady <laughs> went through it. I think she was biracial. And, and that black part was like the nerve of you to put me through this. <laughs> but no, man, check it out. It's wild stuff. Wild, wild, wild stuff, man, for sure. Like, it's it, he's clearly somebody who has, and they brought a porn star, like the YouTubers who expose him, they interviewed a porn star. It's like, yeah, he's that's a kink. Like, he's... She's like, I work in the kink industry. This, all of this is a sexual kink. Like, it has nothing to do with fear or creating this fearful experience. Because he doesn't charge people to go to this. It's absolutely free. Like, all he asks you to give him, like, bring a bag of dog food for his dog. That's all you need to get in. But the lady's like, no, that's a kink. That's a sexual thing he's doing. Did you ever, have you ever, um, have you heard of this, uh, Graceland 2? No. Not heard of that? Like in Germany or some shit? No. It's, it's not far from here. Um, there's a guy who is who claims to be a a former or really good friend of Elvis Presley, mm -hmm. and he's his house has he's turned it into he calls it Graceland Two. So there's a Graceland, the original Graceland here in Memphis, mm -hmm. and it's just basically his house, and he takes you on a tour, and it's got all Elvis Presley stuff in it, and it is the creepiest. Oh, it's crazy house, but people will literally travel. To go see this dude's To go collection. see this dude's. And you just go knock on his door. He opens it up and takes you on the tour. You yeah. pay him money. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's recording y'all. There are some weird old people out there, <laughs> He's man. got y'all on tape, man. Yeah. Yeah. I've done it once, and it's a weird... You did what? I toured Graceland 2. <laughs> Have you been to Graceland 1? No. So why you went to Graceland 2, bro? It's a, it's a, it's a, a part of the white <laughs> college experience. In the city of Memphis. Well, you, you realize some dudes probably jerking off to you on the video. So. <laughs> hey, man, listen. Hey, I've seen as long worse. as you understand that, man. I've seen worse. Yeah. All right, pause. <laughs> but uh, anyway, all right. <laughs> yeah, all right. I feel uncomfortable for sure. Shout out to uh, Funny Marco. You saw that story? Yeah, the G Herbo and all yeah, that. Man, yeah, man, said I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. They say he was being serious. All right, but uh, yeah, man, check it out. Some weirdo stuff for sure. Uh, nothing I'll ever do, but I'll fall I'll down this weird rabbit hole that's caused me to lose sleep. About Russ McCamey and the McCamey Manor out there in Tennessee. Dude, those YouTube rabbit holes are, are no oh, joke, man. They're dangerous, man. They're dangerous to your sleep for real. YouTube is wild because you can go and literally find any feature damn thing. length documentaries about any damn thing. About anything. And it is Voodoo Village. Crazy. <laughs>
Voodoo Village in Memphis. I've fallen down rabbit holes about that yeah, as well. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. But yeah, man, shout out to Rob Fisher again. Great show, man. Y'all need to leave y'all the hell alone. Leave the city of Memphis the hell alone. Timmy, man, get your Ben Roethlisberger on crack looking ass up out of here. <laughs> Other dude, get your uh, the thing on Ninja Turtles looking. <laughs> the Baxter dude, whatever his name was. The fly dude looking ass up out of here. But yeah, man, for my man Kenny Stubberfield, it's Anthony Sane. See you guys next week on the Anthony Sane Show. And we out. Thank you for listening to the Anthony Sane Show. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review wherever you download your podcasts. Also, like and subscribe to Bluff City Media's YouTube page. For comprehensive coverage of Memphis sports, head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co and find out how you can become an insider. We will see you back here next week.